listening to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. We have always been a church that's strong on vision. If you're new to life, you may not be aware. You may be joining us online or in any of the campuses and, uh, or at the acoustic service. And you go, so what is life? And life is four things. We have four focuses. We are a church unapologetically. We also are a growing community agency. We are going to make a difference in the lives of people that are in need. We are also a business. In other words, we believe in raising businesses up that are going to fund what we do in the community. And we've got a kingdom spirit. In other words, here at Life, if you start dissing any other church, come on, we're going to be on you because it's not about, they may be different, but who are we to judge? Come on, we're here to help each other reach the purposes of God. And in that exchange, our vision was clear, but it's like God say, well, put it down. So I felt inspired to write these down. We've never been goal driven, never been numbers driven. But a few years ago, as part of this five-year plan to the end of 2020, we began to articulate, we're going to be a church of 20,000 people. And straight away, there was some opposition. 20,000, I hate big churches. And I would say to mature Christians, that's because you want church to be all about you. By the way, size doesn't determine the spirit. I've been in a church of 50 where there's an ugly spirit, divisive spirit. But we need to be the kind of church that in our society, whether you understand God or not, you can't sidestep what God is doing. And for that to happen, and this is a call out of my heart because we're week two of legacy, is that we will need to have 2,000 people with a leadership gift to become effective. Not just using the gift for their, their own ends, but to be using that gift to motivate and unlock and release people into their potential. And you can walk into life and go, well, life, it's sweet, man. It's all happening. No, 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 no. We still need 2,000 people that are going to say, I've got a leadership gift and I'm going to be somebody that is a catalyst to change someone else's perspective about God. And then this great goal of by the end of 2020, we're going to see 20 million per annum as a part of our contribution to people in need in our communities. That's why we're talking unapologetically about doing something that's going to change the wonder of God. This is my definition of legacy, that legacy ensures future generations, and I love what Scott and Luke said, to get to experience the God dream we carry today. When you live for a life beyond your own, everything becomes worthwhile. Come on, we're going to go to week two of our video. I hope you enjoy it today. It um, is one of the darkest times in my life. I just lost a family member. And then on top of that, I was facing some serious health issues myself. Yeah, I, I had faced challenges before, but not like this. Not everything at once. I just didn't have the energy, really, to, to face people. I could just feel myself inside retreating. All I wanted to do was be on my own. That one morning I woke up, flicked on the TV, and then this program came up. That's when everything began to change for me.
How you doing? Good. Good. We're good. Hey, kids. Got your lunches underway, eh? So, yeah, we've lived in Snell's Beach for 17 years now. Um, my wife, Lorraine, and I have got uh, four kids. We've got Briar, Ashton, Charlize and Tuscany. Well, I came up to Snell's Beach and did the film and TV certificate, and that was what uh, eventuated into this career of storytelling, essentially. We filmed in five different continents. You know, we've done commercials from Air New Zealand through to, you know, NGO stuff, World Vision. And then the, the journey's been phenomenal with Life TV. We've, you know, from the early days to what it is today, we're, um, yeah, we are reaching just under 30,000 people a week on TV. That's just in New Zealand. And uh, having, you know, new viewers obviously finding Life TV online every week as well, and just under 9,000 people a month. Yeah, there's times where, you know, there's big weeks and long days and late nights and and that sort of thing, but that's that comes with, with the territory and when it's your passion, you don't even see it like that. Today, head to the city, uh, meet with Jess and look at some content for next week. And then uh, tonight we're filming a really cool story. Her name's Tanil. We've been talking to Neil for probably about a month and a half, and it's always about timing, you know, getting that right timing that someone's ready. And so her story is just a really good fit for our series on overcoming, because, I mean, yeah, man, she's just had to overcome so much. Hello. Hey, Danielle, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you, Craig? Yeah, good, good. Hey, we're just coming down through the city, so we'll be there in about 10 minutes. This is Matt. We've been working together for 12 years, 13 years. What does Matt bring to the party? Oh, a whole lot of gear. <laughs> and um, a very specific diet. Yeah. So we're weighing up light, this is the biggie, when you're shooting at night. Noise is the other one. Somewhere where Tanil's going to feel comfortable Hello. sharing. How you doing? And we always just pray, you know? So we set up, get everything ready to go, and then we go, let's just pray and go, God, your words, not ours, you know? And I think that's what, um, yeah, why we just keep doing it, you know? Why we just keep telling stories is that it just really, uh, it's the power of another story, another testimony, another breakthrough. What's going through your mind at the moment and how are you feeling yeah. about all of this? So I'm quite overwhelmed um, and just, yeah, emotional, really emotional. For me, it's closure but opening to the same time, like so that on the opposite side of my overcoming is somebody's breakthrough. Yeah, she was awesome, eh? Like, she's so real and ready to share her story. But see, people relate to that, you know, because we don't, we're not all looking for perfection or we're not all looking for what life looks like when it's all together. We relate to people being broken because we've all got something broken. So today is what we call our PDJ shoot day. So um, yeah, where all things have to come together for capturing his content for a series. Yeah, what we're going to have in place for that is clearly gear, crew, scripts. As we do with our life stories, it's just as important that when Passport walks in, he 
feels relaxed. Is the shelf life of Life TV is a long time. You should, you should start singing on about F4, because he knows he's almost done. <laughs> Good shoot day today. Yeah, four weeks or so now to mix the stories in with the PDJ content and the creators. And then that will get some sound mixed, colour graded, and then delivered to the networks. Alex had to cut with us for many years, you know, right next to me in, in the office, and then he moved on to Sydney. So we're working remotely to Sydney still to have Alex editing for us. Cool, all right, talk me through it. We've been through pain, so we go. lock it away and we don't want to talk about it. We don't so we've got a minute 30 that we need to fill in. Yeah. Um, those are my thoughts. For me personally to know that what we put into Legacy and, and what the whole church gets behind to support Life TV is that we get to invest into people outside the four walls. We get to encourage people um, who may never walk into a church. Salt and light, you know? It really is bringing truth and love and, and encouragement to people. It's so great to be connecting across life on our second week of Legacy. And I think what Craig said is so true. If it's your passion, it doesn't seem like it's work. Creating a legacy is about every one of us finding our lane and running with everything we have right up to the very end. Because of our legacy, yes, we have a weekly viewership of just under 30,000 on TV alone and around 9,000 monthly viewers online. In fact, over the next 12 months, we are looking to secure better time slots locally here in New Zealand while expanding our international viewership throughout the Pacific Islands and further into a global network. It was last week that we looked at the incredible progress God has led us in across our facilities and the plans we already have to further develop our community effectiveness. We also heard about a new legacy partnership with Immerse I'm so excited because of their desire, us joining together to reform foster care. In fact, if you missed it last week, make sure you take some time this week to catch up by viewing it online. Along with facilities, our legacy giving enables us to reach even further in our communities with life help alongside our expanded kingdom endeavours. LLI, which is LifeLink International, is a kingdom relationship between life and other churches that are asking for help in becoming more effective. With more and more churches desiring input, we're committed to invest into the wider body of Christ. And another life initiative is REACH, which has been born out of a desire to see the apostolic leaders across New Zealand come together annually to build relationship, pray for each other and to exchange ideas for the wider health of churches across our nation. For me, it's amazing how that synergy and relationship is taking shape. In fact, we've seen already Open Heaven, which is held in Auckland here in January each year. That is one of the major initiatives that have come from the relationships that are being created through REACH. And to see more than 7,000 people come out together for prayer and for worship. I'm going, God, you're amazing. This is the beginning of something special. 
our conferences here at Life are at an all-time high with record attendances and such an increasing sense of the Holy Spirit with us. Life Conference, Sisters and Men Comp, in the last calendar year, we've seen over 13,000 full and part-time in attendance. This year, we also gave birth to our new Kids and Youth Conference as part of Life Conference. It's also been awesome to see such a growing group coming over from our Melbourne campus. Here at Life, our kingdom focus represents our commitment to investing beyond our own walls, to be able to invest into other ministries and blow wind into their sails. Often, these endeavours have a huge community impact. So today I thought it would be great to hear from Pastor Craig from Melbourne about a couple of these initiatives. Well, Christmas Box being one of our largest community initiatives uh, is simply the amazing idea of putting quality foods uh, together where we can freely gift it to people who are in need and often don't get to celebrate Christmas. 2017 was a significant year where we actually packed and distributed 20,000 Christmas boxes, New Zealand, Rarotonga, Australia, uh, the Cook Islands, and that actually equates to 100,000 people being reached and receiving food, but not only food, uh, they're receiving hope as well. It was quite incredible. It really is a thrill to partner with so many organisations who are doing incredible things week in, week out, and here we come along and be able to add to what they are already doing. Two years ago, I met an amazing lady, Danusha, and she looks after all of the operation of St Vinnie's. 1,500 volunteers, and she coordinates. Every night they go out. So over Christmas time, a lot of other services and food rescue charities like our Food Bank, they actually closed down. So that meant that the people that we actually serve would either go without and have no food at all uh, if they didn't receive a hamper from the Christmas box hampers. Uh, one of the amazing things about Christmas Box is that it's not limited. We're really excited this year to expand into Wellington, but also we're excited about taking it from 270 community agencies we work with to actually over 300. Last year, we were able to do our second Life Spring Festival, and really it's about gathering this community, North Melbourne, together. We let a box drop everywhere. We got banners up throughout the months leading in. Uh, and it's about putting on a free festival. We actually had last year over 900 people from all the different cultures together. So we had easily over 130 volunteers playing different parts and everyone just loves it. It's a huge celebration. What was really cool was to see our church people just connecting in and building friendships and relationships. And so it's a highlight of the year for us. So people are definitely starting to join the dots. You know, they, they would have received the Christmas box. Uh, maybe they've been to Life Spring Festival. Now they're hearing about CAP as well. And it's now becoming that place where people go, hang on, I, I know that church. And they may not know our name Life yet, but they're hearing about that church. And that church is a church that's wanting to help. That church is a church that's there when they're ready. Uh, that church is a church that's relevant and real. And honestly, we are really uniting with the community. As well as these amazing initiatives, we have Red Frogs, CAP, Soup Kitchen, and many of us may not be aware of the impact being made through the community services of QES and Life Homes. In fact, we have been involved with QES for the last three years, and it offers free education and job training for the young at-risk people between the ages of 16 and 18, and their numbers of adults who need assistance with further education and employment pathways. In fact, currently, we have around 500 students and clients enrolled each year in its programs. 
We now have five residential life homes north of Auckland. These homes provide 24-7 care for intellectually disabled residents. In late 2017, we opened a new home in Oriwa and now have 20 full-time residents. There's 28 staff, full-time and casual, and an annual investment of $1.6 million. We are so thankful to God that in the last 12 months, we've given away close to $1.5 million worth of goods, mobilised over 21,000 volunteer hours, and connected and partnered with approximately 400 organisations and agencies, opening our third and fourth soup kitchens, and mobilising more than 1,000 people across life into community initiatives and projects. This will result in impacting in a genuine way in excess of 200,000 people through an investment in excess of $6 million. And as I mentioned last week, we have only two and a half years to collectively invest into seeing our legacy miracle take place. Once again, I'm asking you to position yourself to be part of what will be used by God to transform many generations to come. Think about it. 3,000 legacy partners committed to do what God is asking them to do. This will be made up of 300 Gideons committing to investing 30 million over the legacy term. But they will be joined by 2,700 builders committing to raise annually $5 million. At the end of the day, God's heart and His love is shown through practical care for people. I believe our plan is not man-breathed, it's God-inspired, that God's called us to reach into the community where the needs are real. And so as we pay off our facilities, we are then positioned to see that miracle take place. Would you pray this week? Would you take time to say, God, am I to be a part of the legacy team, the family that are joining together to create this echo that will transform lives and introduce the love of an amazing Father. Together, we can move the mountains that stand before people because we say yes. Our yes to God means generations praising Him for eternity. Come on, can we really praise God? Every campus, let's thank God for who He is. This whole week, I've had this thought running through my spirit that challenges the very depth of who I am. And it's this, that the faithfulness of God is revealed through the obedient response of men. You see, it's one thing to pray for a world in need. But Jesus put it like this, if you don't clothe the cold, if you don't feed the hungry, then where is the kingdom of God? And I look and I stop and I go, God, you need every one of us to live in obedience. You need us to take on board that we are a part of a divine cause week one week took time to look at David and the challenge of the Philistine army and their giant, a man by the name of Goliath, 
that stood in a valley and taunted the Israel, Israel army with size and with volume. And each one of the soldiers, they would turn up at the beginning of each day. And the Bible says they shouted for battle or as we paraphrased last week, they worshipped, but they didn't engage in warfare. And the challenge, I believe, for us in the time and season that we're at in history is that there is a giant that stands like Goliath stood in Socho, which belonged to Judah. That the enemy is standing on ground that God is saying that doesn't belong to the enemy. He doesn't have the right over the generations to come. He doesn't have the right to gain that it is his turf. But I feel like, like David, that we're praying for God to do something. And God is saying, yeah, but don't you realize people don't get to know my faithfulness if you're not obedient. And the challenge of what was taking place, it was fear and self-preservation in the Israelite army that caused them to stay in the protection of their side of the mountain. And yet for 40 days, the challenge came. And for 40 days, they sang. For 40 days, or for 40 years, let's put it like that, they turned up to church, but never walked into the valley. And yet one boy, who wasn't even a soldier, turns up in obedience to his dad, and he hears the giant and he goes, why are we staying here? Why are we allowing the fear that so often controls us? Why are we here to protect the shine of our armor? Surely some of us need to move and take on the voice in the valley. His older brother heard what he was saying, this kid. And he says, why are you here? You should be with your sheep. You know what David responds in verse 29 of 1 Samuel 17. What have I done now? This is normal Christian living. Is there not a cause? Church, if you're online, acoustic service, south, north, central. I don't feel like I can just share words today. I feel the weight of heaven for the season that we're in, and I'm disturbed. I'm disturbed globally by a church that loves to worship, but allows fear to contain them. I'm disturbed by a church that wants comfort rather than conquest. I'm disturbed because we are increasingly finding a me-centric Christianity that is, I'm in it as long as I get what I want from it. But David lived the divine cause. I love his words as he leaves the security of his brothers. He leaves the security of the nation of Israel at war. And he walks down to the Philistine and he said, Philistine, you may be tall, but you only come with a sword. You only come with a spear. You only come with a javelin, man-made armory. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel who ha you have defied. Today, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. 
And I'm going to strike you. I'm going to take your head. Oh, I love a movie around this. <laughs> and this day, not tomorrow, but this day, I'm going to give your carcasses to the camp of the Philistines, to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Note this. Then all the earth will know. All of Aotearoa will know that you are the God of Israel. You see, David, as we saw last week, didn't see small as small. The moment we keep believing we can't make a difference, the lie of the enemy has infiltrated our own spirit. You can make more difference. The enemy wants you focused on your past, on what you don't have, rather than accepting what God has given you. David didn't see big as big, no matter how big the giant is, there's a God that spans the universe. There is no left nor right. His love is as far as the east is from the west. And he lived a divine call. Today, I believe there is a voice in the valley. I believe that there is a taunting that's rising in society. And God is looking for us to say yes. I challenge you today because we wouldn't be here in this church. This church wouldn't be where it is doing what it's doing. 30,000 people watching live TV every week. If there wasn't a yes, Melbourne wouldn't exist if it wasn't a yes. I remember the day I sat with Craig and Nadia, our youth pastors, for 15 years. and said, I'm not going to make you do this, but I sense you're the people. And they both burst into tears because they hadn't ever thought about it. They just looked at me and said, Pastor Paul, if you say that's what you want, we'll go. And I said to them, I'm not asking you to go because I'm asking you. I'm asking you to go to God to see if God's asking you. And if you don't hear God, then you don't have to go. They went away and I'll never forget three weeks later, they came tears again. God said, would we go? And we said, yes. 27 years ago, Marie and I said, yes. Three kids under five and ministering all over Australia and loved the nation that God had planted me in Marie's place of birth. And God said, would you go? We, we didn't have any guarantees. We, we didn't feel like we had the capacity, but we had a yes. We, we had a yes that God, if you want it, then we're in and we're gonna move forward. You see, because the faithfulness of God can only be revealed through the obedient response of men. I remember the church was three or four weeks old. Me on a guitar, it wasn't real worship. <laughs> but there was no one else at that point, so I said yes. And we had a break in the service for people to meet each other and somebody came up to me and said, Pastor Paul, there's a lady that's come this morning and I know she can play the piano. Her name was Christine Cooper. And so we made this, the, the, the meet and greet time longer as I went to the lady I had never met before. And I said, an angel told me, you can play the piano. And there's a piano in this hired auditorium. It was an old piano. She looked at me. She said, well, I can actually, but I can't play the songs that you guys are singing. I said, we'll sing the songs you can play. <laughs> 
And so with a bit of coercing, I put my arm in her arm and I led her over to the piano. She played a couple of notes. The piano was out of tune. I said, it's okay, God is in tune. Let's go. Come on, 27 years later, the Coopers are still in the vision of life, still saying yes, still believing God. David not only lived a divine cause, but he understood that a divine cause involved obedience. And I love this thought that David's obedience included three things. The first was this. There was a yes to daily responsibility. Did you know that every one of us have been gifted from heaven? Sometimes we buy into this lie of the enemy that one day when we break through, we'll be ready for God. But God gave you at birth gifts that have a kingdom orientation. Your gifts can unlock a kingdom cause in your time in history. Here is David, one of seven boys. And his job from his father was out in the desert looking after the sheep. I wonder what he felt like as a young boy. I don't get to be at home with the rest. I have to sleep out with the sheep and protect them from all harm. I got to lead them to pasture and yet, My brothers, they get to go to army training. They get to wear an armor. They get to sleep in dad's home. But this is what I get. Can I just encourage you that obedience begins with a daily yes to what's happening in your world today. And I look at that and I I often think I'm one of eight kids. And I look at David because David, when the lion came, said, my life is not more important than the responsibilities entrusted. So I'll take the lion on. I'll take the bear on. And that was the very thing that prepared him for the next phase of obedience. That God was using him. I'm one of eight children. And I know through my journey, and maybe even to this day, some of my family don't understand. Because even though we love each other and we get together on special occasions, I don't always have the time that I'd love to have to be the kind of brother and be in the, the company where others can get to because God has asked me to live a certain kind of life. And my responsibility is not your responsibility, but obedience begins with a yes to our daily responsibility. And I'm all for family and that doesn't, I'm not saying I'm against that. I just understand the responsibility. In fact, in the parable of the talents, Matthew 25, 14 The kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, operates like this. It's like a man who had talents and he traveled to a faraway country, but he called his own servants and he delivered his goods to them. We understand that to one of the servants, he gave five, one he gave two, another he gave one. In other words, we don't all have to compare with each other, but we have all been entrusted something to carry as a responsibility. The challenge was the one with one, the least when the handout came, didn't value, allowed fear, allowed security to dominate the way that he responded. And and yet the father, the the owner came back and settled accounts. And the Bible says in verse 14 that he who received the one talent came and said, well, Lord, I I knew you to be a, a, a hard man that you reap where you have not sown. Even that whole thought is amazing that I got an understanding that God, you don't need principle. You're God, you can do anything. 
Come on, mature Christian. It's not a day for excuse. It's kind of like, you know, I buried it. I hid it because I, I, I didn't, I didn't want to lose it. I, I didn't want to risk. I, I felt like I didn't want to go. Can I, again, just challenge you today? Every gift that we have has been given to create kingdom outcome. It's like, oh, well, I, I'm a very talented brain person and I develop things and my world is large because look what I've achieved. There will come a day where God says, it wasn't yours. Well, I can make money or I can, I can help this and I can do that and I love my life. Yeah, if there's not kingdom at the foundation of it, there will come a day where God's saying, did you live your responsibility? In fact, it goes on in verse 27. The owner says you should have at least put it in the bank. In other words, you've got to take what you have and multiply it for kingdom outcome. And then verse 28 is so powerful. So take the talent from the one who didn't value it, didn't use it and give it to him who has 10. See, sometimes we look at what we don't have and that becomes our excuse. I'm not sure if we realize this, but if you do a little research, what was called one talent was the equivalent of 130 pounds of silver or gold. Equal to 15 years wages. Well, I can't do much for the kingdom. You've listened to the lie. The voice in the valley is dominating and God's saying, come on. You've got more potential than you could ever realize. 15 years I've invested of what you could do with all of your energy in the gifts that I've put into your heart. I look at that and I go, David's obedience had a yes to the responsibility of the day. Secondly, he had a yes to his father, Jesse. Hey, David, I want you to leave the sheep for a while. Take some food to your brothers at war. Yes, dad. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'm in. Obedience is always submission to another's authority. We have a problem in our nation here in New Zealand with obedience. It's kind of like, I'm happy to do it. I just don't want to be told I have to do that. Well, I'm not here to tell you what you have to do, but I am here to underscore a principle that obedience is not a feeling. It's a yes to daily responsibility. And it's a yes to your father, David. I read this this week in the age of individualism. The notion of obedience is often frowned upon. As long as we're not doing any harm to anyone else, so the mantra goes, we should be able to do what we want. Anything else is seen as unnecessary limitation on one's self-expression. But the Christian understanding is that obedience sees God's commands not as limits, but as freedoms. It's a pathway to flourishing for what He intended for us both personally and corporately. Can I come back to it? The faithfulness of God. Someone is seen in the obedience or the obedient response of men. I want to go somewhere today that I've never taught. Why? Because it's been misused. And I feel like God's saying, stand up. Don't let what has been shattered. Did you know that you have a natural father? Whether good 
or bad, whether known or unknown. Your life can't exist outside of a natural father. But also in God's economy, you have a spiritual father. God has wired you to live under a dad. And a true dad is a dad that believes in you. And even though it's been misused in the kingdom, I feel like God's saying it's time to stand because a dad has a rightful authority. And a needful authority to begin to direct the family at times. And you go, well, I'm not sure about that. Well, the Bible makes it really clear in Hebrews 13, 7. It says, would you remember those who rule over you? Wow, that's a concept. I thought I'm a Lord to myself. I can make my own decisions. No. Would you remember those who have spoken the word to you, who you've seen faith in and you are to follow that faith? How you know that it's right is you'll consider the conduct or the outcome of their conduct. And then this verse is so powerful. Jesus the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. And do not be carried around with strange doctrines and various doctrines. And it's like, you know, there is an exodus from the faith because people have not been fathered. They haven't listened to dad. They haven't really understood what it is to be aligned with a dad's spirit. And here in New Zealand, we got this tall poppy thing. Or it's like, well, I don't have to come under anyone. Well, listen, God's way is that we would listen to dad. If you were to honor your father, you'll live a long and healthy life, the Bible says. And when we don't have that in the natural sense, God is setting it up in a spiritual sense. That's why we believe at life. You've got to find where you ought to be planted. You believe in the conduct, the outcome. Come on, 27 years we've been carrying the flame. Not perfect, but we have a heart that says yes to the kingdom. And God is calling a generation that are going to come, plant themselves into it. And collectively, as a family, we're going to walk into the valley and we're going to say, you have taunted this generation for too long. And it's time for us to stand together shoulder to shoulder. A true godly father. David was obedient to his father, Jesse. A true godly father is one that wants your best, that Carries wisdom in areas that you don't yet see. Come on, commits to encourage and to discipline. And I feel like God is saying, come on, we've got to shape the church afresh and anew. Obey those again. Hebrews 13, 17, who rule over you. Be submissive because they're watching out for your soul. Let them do it with joy and not with grief because that would be unprofitable for you. In other words, your future can be left or right of the purpose of God if you don't understand the role of a dad. Obey to trust and have confidence with. And can I just say this, and this may upset a few people, but if you've been through spiritual abuse, don't park there. If it's God's way, then you've got to say, Dad, if that's what you want, come on, we're in for it. We're going to move beyond it. And I... Have never said this, but here I am, entrusted as the senior shepherd of life. And in my heart, there is a way. People go, well, you just give it to God. And I am giving it to God, but God's given it to me. To go, you realize that there is the spirit of Goliath again in the valley. Going, you're going to have to compromise your faith for a world that's changing. And I go, no, we are in the most important season of my 27 years here. I don't know if there will ever again be such an important season as these few years. Because there is a voice in the valley and many of God's kids 
who have no spiritual authority are giving way to the lie and diverting from truth. I just want to go there. Last Sunday, I stood with our church and I get that not everybody that is in church buys in and is part of the life family. But I said, we got three nights of prayer, guys. We got fasting. And we had huge turn-ups. But at the same time, I think, how many weren't there? And I don't want to have people feeling condemned, but I wonder as a dad go, guys, we can't win this naturally. And if you're out of town, I understand. If there was an emergency, I understand it. But surely one of the three, we could have been there. And to be honest, I'm just going, come on, who's in for this? Or are we so distracted by everything else that the enemy's voice is penetrating a generation we're there to touch? And it's kind of like God saying, would you move to a place where you're going to challenge the voice in the valley? It was James T. White that said this, perhaps the most effective illustration of obedience was the reply of the mother of George Washington. She was at a banquet and a French officer asked her, how did you manage to raise such an incredibly splendid son? And again, George Washington's mother replied, I taught him to obey. If you're a parent with young children, hear me loud and clear. Don't buy into a wrong way of thinking that our kids just do whatever they want. You teach them how to obey. Because if they don't learn how to obey under your love, how will they ever obey a God? Obedience. I wonder how obedient we are. Obedient to my daily responsibility. Obedient to the voice of my father, Jesse. And whoever your spiritual dad is, we should all have one. And we should listen to the heartbeat and say, God, what is it that you're saying to me? What is it that I need to know? And finally, David's obedience included a yes to the voice in the valley. Legacy is not about building a building. Come on, team. Come and join me. Legacy is not about the money we are praying we can raise. It's about bringing an answer to a generation that hears a Goliath, but not God. And if we sit there with our one talent, never do anything, there will come a day where the master comes. This is Bible. You're not fit for the kingdom. All that God did for you and then it was just all about you. But it was raining. But the All Blacks were on. But I just wanted some overtime. And I'm not saying we can be or should be at everything. But when there's a call, it's kind of like, are we going to say yes? Well, as for me and my house, we will see, yes. And I'm asking who will come to a place and say, you voice in the valley, I knew your dad because I read about how he was taken out. And you're going to be taken out. You come with a voice that says it won't change. We come with a voice that God is bigger than that. Because we understand 
that we have the answer to what God is wanting to do within us. I love this thought during the US Civil War. Abraham Lincoln met with a group of ministers for a prayer breakfast. He was not a churchgoer and his faith was unorthodox. But at one point, one of the ministers said to Abraham Lincoln, Mr. President, let us all pray that God be on our side. Lincoln's response, no gentlemen, let's pray that we are on the Lord's side. Don't you ever do just because I'm asking you to do, but I have a voice. And I'm asking you to hear what the Father in heaven is asking of me and asking of us that we will see a miracle in these next few years. Come on, through legacy, that's gonna undo generations. 200,000 people this year are tangibly touched by what we're doing now. What could that become? Because the faithfulness of God can never be known never be seen outside of the obedient response of you and I you know if you're here today and you're visiting I pray that this doesn't upset you I just can't live a normal life here at life it's not business as normal it's a generational call that it's time for us to step come on we're not against people we're going to raise another alternative we're going to show people that there is an answer and his name is Jesus. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.